Today on Lockdown Red Wings, Tyler Bertuzzi had 10 points in seven playoff games with the Boston Bruins. Should Detroit try and bring him back? You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I'm a podcast producer for the Daily J, a WWJ News Radio podcast. Well, Scotty's host over at Lockdown Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And today, guys, we're going to change it up. We have one more player grades episode to do, but we're not going to do that today. We might do it on Monday's episode for you. But today, we're going to talk about Tyler Bertuzzi. And the reason why we're going to talk about Tyler Bertuzzi is because of the fact that Octopus Thrower posted an article, a short article, basically saying the Red Wings should act quickly and bring him back. Like, try to, that was the headline. And really, in reality, what the article was saying is like the Red Wings should consider bringing him back. Um, it wasn't that long, but Read I thought article, it was support writers. Yes. I thought it was an, a, a good topic to bring up because he is a free agent. And with the Boston Bruins, he played fantastic. And so I simply, with 10 points in seven games in the playoffs, he turned out to be a playoff performer. And with the Bruins this uh, year during the regular season in 20, what, 26 games played, 21 games played, he had 16 points compared to his 14 points in 29 games played with the Red Wings. He totaled uh, 30, what, 30 points this season was his uh, total between the two teams. So obviously a I hesitate to say a down year because he broke both of his hands at separate occasions. So, of course, the production, he's had so much time off the production dipped. And it, of course, took him a while to find his groove. But he is definitely going to be one of, I think, the the sexiest free agents on the market. And the Red Wings are in desperate need of goal scoring. And he's proven that he can be a 30-goal scorer in the NHL. So, I guess my question here is, is should the Red Wings bring Tyler Bertuzzi back or try to bring Tyler Bertuzzi back. And I'll set it up as simply as that, Scotty. Uh, you know, it's complicated, you know, <laughs> was you know, you know, in that situation when somebody's like, so like, what's your relationship with Tyler Bertuzzi? And you're like, it's complicated. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it, it's tough. Cause um, first off, I, I want to say this. It never happens. We've yes. said this before. We said this at the trade deadline. I I can count on like one hand the amount of times that uh, every single time any player gets traded away from any team ever and is an expiring deal, everybody goes, well, it's okay. We can sign them back this offseason, and then it never happens. Yeah. So I want to start with that. The, the instances in which this actually occurs are – very, very, very few and far between. They are, it is a, a rarity, like a rarity, rarity. So I want to start with that. Um, not that it's impossible, not that it hasn't happened, but the odds are not in your favor, okay? Um, when I say I want a goal scorer, I want a, a pure goal scorer 
Like there, there are different ty- types of goal scorers. There are people that play the dirty, grindy brand of hockey that Tyler Bertuzzi very much plays and is one of the better players in the NHL at that style of play. He, he is an in- unbelievably valuable player to whatever hockey team he is going to be on this fall. That is not the goal scorer that I envision when I think the Red Wings really need a goal scorer because they really needed a goal scorer the when he was still scorer. on the team too. Okay. So like, I, I, am I going to say no? If, if Steve Eiserman came out tomorrow and was like, Hey, guess what? Uh, we're going to put all of our chips in this basket and, and really go after Bird again. I wouldn't be upset about it. It better not be the only move you make because, again, we literally know for a fact that this exact roster with Bert on it is still probably not a playoff team. So you better have more lined up, but I'm never going to be upset at a player who plays like Tyler Bertuzzi being on the Detroit Red Wings. Like I said, that is that is unbelievably valuable. But this team's first priority should be a pure goal scorer. Burt's goals are dirty, grimy, in front of the net, physicality. They're, they're, again, value there. But that is not a pure goal scorer. That is that that is a, a a different brand of hockey than what the Detroit Red Wings desperately need. So. If you're asking me one or the other, if you're asking, uh, oh, if we bring Burt back, then we're not going to be a position to to bring in like a, like like an actual pure like guy who has the potential to score 35, 40 goals and like can create his own shot and score from different areas of the ice and that you can rely on and lean on on any given night to go put the puck in the back of the net. I'm going to choose the latter, but there is always a spot for the brand that Bertuzzi plays on my hockey team in the same breath. Yeah. I one succinctly put Scotty very well uh, put nice. Um, uh, vibes are high, man. The tigers are rolling up. It was sunny today. I, I 60 degrees. a little manual labor. I'm in a great mood right now. Yeah. Uh, I one I agree again, I agree with that. 60 degrees was a beautiful day out and got out of work on time. It was, it's been a great day, Absolutely. but when it comes to Tyler Bertuzzi, I want to preface this with saying I would love to see Tyler Bertuzzi back in a Red Wings uniform. But, and there's there's the but, right? I don't think it happens, and I don't think, like, I, I agree, again, with what you said. It shouldn't be your top priority. He does fill a need with what you said this team does need to have an edge, and he brings that edge. Absolutely but it's not the top priority this team needs. And my biggest thing, apart from anything that you said, Scotty, about why the Red Wings aren't going to pursue him, is they already decided they weren't going to sign him. Before he went to Boston, produced better than he did here during the regular season, and then the playoffs hit, and he proved to the world what everyone thought about him from the get-go, he's a playoff performer. We knew that with his time in the AHL and the Calder Cup, but he hadn't had yet to have the opportunity to prove it at the NHL level. He did that with Boston. Yes, they got eliminated in seven games, but he had 10 points 
in those seven games. And when their back was against the wall in game seven, down two to one, he tied the game up two to two before they took the lead and then blew it and lost in overtime. He proved that not only is he a playoff performer, but he has that X factor to score when it's high. Well, his style plays into playoff hockey it's, almost perfectly. Yes. And like, so there is absolute value there, but the Red Wings already decided that they cannot afford to wrap up that money in a 28 year old who is unfortunately prone to injury. Now I don't necessarily like the term prone to injury because that makes it sounds like makes it sound like freak accidents just happen to you all the time, but he has had injuries that do have the tendency to re-aggravate. You know, he's had one again, he's had joint issues, right? Style of plays a big deal with that too. And just the way he plays the game of hockey, that's going to happen. If Iserman decided he didn't want to pay Bertuzzi when his before he upped his value in the playoffs, then he's not going to want Bertuzzi when he's going to be asking for $6 million plus in free agency and then flip it around. Like, okay. And again, I'm making it sound like the Red Wings should absolutely not get Bertuzzi. I would love if they re-signed him. I just recognize it's not realistic, right? It doesn't make sense for the Red Wings are trying to do, especially as they're trying to build their core around the younger guys to sign a guy who's already closing in on a 30 with that style play who that doesn't necessarily work. And if you flip it around, I know Bertuzzi loved it here and we loved Bertuzzi. But if you're Bertuzzi, why? And you, you've never had a chance to win a Stanley cup until this season. Why would you go back to the Red Wings who just traded you away? A B still look like they're maybe multiple years away from being legitimate cup contenders, not even playoff contenders. And I know anything can happen once you get in the playoffs, but the Red Wings realistically are still years away from being Stanley cup contenders. Why would Tyler Bertuzzi go to that team if he's in the prime of his career and he wants to win a cup now? It doesn't make sense for him either. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, like, A, like money talks. I mean, if, 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 I mean, it's true. I mean, Johnny Goudreau signed with the Columbus Blue Jackets for nine plus. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's, he's 28. He's not, he's not 38. Like, if, if they give him, you know, four to six years and, and have the highest AAV, then, I don't think he's going to complain about coming back to the place where he just spent the last, whatever, five years building his life. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly understand the the concept of you get a taste of postseason, you kind of want to stay there. It's, it's an intoxicating yeah. feeling. And uh, um, not that the, the, I think the goal for the wings next year, they should have a good enough off season to put themselves in a position to, to do so. But uh, I, I think, I think your, your first point there was, a really, really good one. Just the fact that, uh, like the, the wings already made this decision once. <laughs> and, uh, and I, I think that with his good performance in the postseason, you're only asking for a, a little bit more money. And it's just one of those things where if, if they do it, you're tying up a lot of money in someone that, you know, objectively, again, because he was literally on this roster last year, that if that is your only addition this offseason, it's not going to be very much of a, a different season next year. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I'm going to speak some positives on Tyler Bertuzzi, why it could be a good fit. Uh, but first, I want to talk to you guys today about eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. When With eBay Fit, with eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can make sure every part you need fits right the first time around. 
Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know that your part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop at eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring a home bring home a win when the parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available in U.S. Of eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Talking about Tyler Bertuzzi and whether or not the Red Wings should bring him back. In the first segment, we kind of we kind of stated why it doesn't make a lot, whole lot of sense for the Detroit Red Wings to bring him back. But you know, it's not a fun radio show unless you play Devil's Advocate, right? Well, also, <laughs> I mean, we both started our like monologues there with if he came back, we wouldn't be upset, like in a vacuum. Like he, he th- that style of play again, I can't reiterate enough every single team in the NHL wants and and needs on their team. Yeah. And you know, Tyler Bertuzzi is a positive asset when he's on the ice, like production be damned, you know, at least in the offensive zone, he is Uh, in his 29 games, with the Red Wings had an expected goals, four percentage of 59.29 that's at all strengths. Let me filter that by five on five. I was going to say that sounds a little bit skewed. There's no way he has almost damn near 60%. At five on five, he was a 50.26. So that would have made him two of two, maybe three of three of players who played with the Red Wings this season that had an above 50% expected goals for percentage because in the offensive zone, he does everything right to produce quality scoring attempts. He gets into the corners. He wins those puck battles. He sets up his teammates. He goes to the front of the net. He's not a half bad shooter. He's got... Not half bad hands. He's he scored a couple pretty goals in his career as well. Oh, yeah. Like he can do a little bit of everything in the offensive zone. Defensively, I think he's still there's he still leaves a lot to be desired. He was below replacement level at even strength defense this year, according to hockey player uh hockey evolving hockey player cards. He was a 23 percentile, but he was a 68th percentile uh, at even strength offense. He was above replacement level, well above replacement level and even strength offense. So he brings a lot to the offensive zone. And we talked about it, Scott. He, this team does still need that edge. I mean, we saw how they got pushed around in the Ottawa series, granted games he was a part of, right? But he does bring that edge, and that is something this team needs. It's not their first need. Their first need is definitely goal scoring, and I do think that that cap that they are going to have this offseason is better served trying to address that need and then filling out your roster with other depth players. Like, they still need more. They need a backup goalie. They still need more depth defense. They still need depth forwards because you're going to be losing some other depth forwards. You can upgrade that position at a similar cost. So I think the cap space is still served elsewhere than wrapping up six and a half, seven mil on Tyler Bertuzzi. But there is value, intrinsic value in what he brings to the team. Plus, again, he was grown here. And so while it's unlikely a guy who you traded away, because like you said, Scotty, that never happens. That hardly ever happens. A guy you traded the deadline comes right back to your team. If that were to happen, I would come on here and say, you know, a given that the cost isn't exorbitantly high to pay him, I would be like, yeah, this was a good move. They needed a Tyler Bertuzzi type. So I think that if they did sign him, I would still be pretty damn happy about it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I I don't want to say the same thing for the third time, but like, yeah, I'm in the same boat. I mean, if, uh, 
in a vacuum, if if the price wasn't ridiculous, I, no one's against him coming back because uh, uh, again, for the third time, like every team <laughs> needs that. But uh, it, it's just I, I feel like if that's our number one priority, that's a head scratcher to me. That that's where it just like where your priorities lie is where uh, is is where a lot of my questions. Uh, about this move come into play because I feel like for the amount of money he's likely going to get, you probably are going to have to prioritize him decently high if you want him to come back. And I don't think that your number one priority should be Tyler Bertuzzi as much as, again, uh, I, I would love him back. Yeah, he's he's such a good player. He's such a fun player. What was he on pace for in the regular season? I mean, he, he only had like eight goals. Yeah, he was on pace for 50 points. I don't know. Right, goals. I think played- – I think- I mean, it was eight points and 22 assists. I'm pretty sure that makes him only on pace for like 15 or 16 goals in the regular season. Yeah. Now it's hard to judge that just because. Yeah, no, for sure. But also just like the style of play he has, is just going to lead to like cold and hot streaks. As far as goal scoring goes, he's always going to get assists. He's always going to have point totals for the same reason. But um, this team needs uh, a consistent goal scoring threat. Yeah. And just with the style that he plays, He's going to go on heaters uh, as far as goal scoring goes. He's going to be consistent in his style of play, but he, he's going to go on on goal scoring heaters where he's going to score, you know, three, four games in a row, and then you're not going to hear his, you know, you're not you're not going to see him score a goal for whatever a week and a half, and that's just that that's just comes with uh, again how he plays the game of hockey, which is kind of the big overlying point of this whole thing is is uh, the, his style is absolutely a fit here, but they desperately need to also add a, a style which is reliant on the ability to score the puck consistently yeah. because no one on this team can score this puck consistently and adding Bertuzzi does not change the answer to that question. So, I mean, if you, if you take into account the two seasons where he was injured, which is the year he played nine games played and then he had the it was a shoulder or neck surgery something like that yeah that it was uh, yeah, out. neck I think. I think it might have yeah. been neck um and then this past year we broke his hands twice one each hand once i mean he's actually been a really consistent scorer so he had 21 goals and 26 assists in 73 games in 2019 for 47 points and he had 48 points in 71 games played in 2020 those are two shortened seasons because of the pandemic so if you prorate that across 80, that's over 50 points. Last year, he had 62 points. This year, he was on pace for 50 points again. So he is consistently at least a 50-point well, player. Well, season consistently, yeah. yes. I'm talking game-to-game game consistency, I, and I, which I, and, is not the same. Yes, and I get you're that. right. And he's going to consistently get you 20-plus goals. So that's not nothing, you know? No, like, absolutely not. I know game-to-game, game, every player kind of goes through hot and cold streaks, and he's more prone to it than some other players are for sure. Uh, but I mean, to sign Tyler Bertuzzi to get a consistent, what, if he stays healthy is a guy who can produce 50 points and over 20 goals. That's a solid middle six forward. And if you put him on a, and he was doing that with a bad Red Wings team. I mean, that 19 team was historically bad and he still put up 47 points in 73 games. That's great. You put him on a ball. If he plays all year at the Boston Bruins, albeit he'll be playing less minutes. So he might yeah, that might hurt his production, but he'll be playing with better line mates. So that'll help his production. So it's like one of those things too, where you take that into account, you might get better production out of Tyler Bertuzzi on a better team as well. So it's, he, he, he gets 50 to 60 points every year. If he's healthy, 
And then he also is just like going to make his lines better. Yeah. So if you're trying to make an argument for him, like that's it. Like the team, the Red Wings do need that. The Red Wings need everything, right? It just is, it just unfortunately is really unlikely that they bring back a guy that they've already essentially passed on once whose value only went up when they also need other things more urgently. That's, that's, that's in the end, that is what it is. Yeah. It's just priority. It's just, it's just where does, you know, as, as a, a listener, like where do your priorities lie and what this team needs to accomplish this off season? And then obviously the only one that matters is Iserman in this front office and where do they think their priorities lie this off season. And I, as, as much as happy as I would be if Bert did come back, I I'm not convinced that the top priority is going to be him this off season. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to do a, how do you feel about it Friday to end the week? Um, so yeah, stay tuned to lockdown Red Wings. Segment three lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty, it's, we haven't done a how do you feel about it Friday in ah, ages, man. At least a proper one where we dedicate a segment to it. And you know, we've been doing player grades so much. We've decided, like, let's, have, let's just have some straight fun. Let's just be goofy to end the, the week, especially with when vibes are so high, right? Absolutely. Um, so I guess I'll go first because I actually have one right off rip. How do you feel about the Toronto Maple Leafs making it past the first round for the first time since 04? You know, that's a great one. Um Thank you. I know it's, uh, it's, it's disappointing. We can, we can call it this. It's disappointing. spade a spade. I, <laughs> we, we can be honest. It's uh, it's a little sad um, that that joke will no longer uh, be used, but it's still been what? 55 cents a cup. So 67 was the last one. Yeah. So we got, we, we still got that one, but yeah, it's certainly, you know, as a, as a, a fan of an original six team like we are that was certainly one of our favorite things to uh, to poke fun at and that's no longer a thing but um i i do have some uh some friends north of the border who had a very very fun time uh on and it happened on a saturday night as well like that was uh it was a really really fun time i in the same breath my to you was going to be how do you feel about the people of Toronto filling the streets like they just won a Stanley Cup for a first round advancement? Uh, I'm glad you asked me that because, because I, had... I had this conversation at length with a lot of my friends and a lot of my Canadian friends specifically. I I will preface it by saying I understand. You have not made it past the first round since 2004. So there is an element of getting the monkey off your back. Yep. But I've had the conversation with Leafs fans as well, where they are happy, like content rather is the better word content with ma- just making it past right. the first round yeah, because they hadn't done it so long. And I'm like, no, like, so filling the streets and celebrating like you had just won the Stanley cup is ridiculous to me because you have a legitimate Stanley cup contender. The bar has to be higher than that. Like, I understand that it was like this curse, but the, you cannot like the, it's not done yet. The job's not done yet. What do you sell it? If, if the Red Wings made it past the first round, I mean, I still wouldn't be flooding the streets celebrating. That'd be ridiculous. But that would, I think, call for a little bit more of a celebration because of the fact that they, the expectation is less than that. The bar is lower right now because the team's on a rebuild. The Leafs, the goal right now is winning the Stanley Cup. So to fill the, tea, the streets with celebrating winning the first round is, I think, a little bit kind of corny, you know? 
<laughs> yeah. I, see, this is the the conversation that I have too. Like, I I also think it's wild. Like, it, it is crazy to me. I will say, if it the only reason that I understand it honestly is because they've like made the playoffs pretty much every year of that stretch. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like. And that makes it more justifiable to me to do what they're doing, honestly, not the reverse. Like, if they had just been an awful team for the last 18 years and hadn't even, like, made the playoffs, you're like, oh, they made it once in 2011 and got popped or whatever. Like, that legitimately, uh, if they did what they're doing now in in reaction to, like, that situation, I would kind of be like, this is ridiculous. This is really dumb. Uh, But... I I honestly somewhat understand it just because they have literally made the playoffs almost every year of that entire drought, especially in the last decade. So, like, you're talking about every single year making the playoffs and getting bounced in the first round. And for the majority of the second half of that, having one of the better teams in hockey and still not being able to get past the first round, like having one of the best rosters in the sport, and not getting being able to get past the first round year after year. So like that the the fact that they are like a perennial playoff team for a large majority of that makes it more understandable to me because it truly is just like a a, a monkey off like my back type of situation. I would honestly understand it less if they were just awful for the last 20 years. And then just like showed up and made it back. Cause like that, that happens. Like the Cubs went over a century without winning a world series. Like that, that's just sports. There are just certain teams that kind of get shafted. So like, I, I do kind of understand a little bit more, but at the same time, it, it, it optically to be like the, the pinnacle of like a hockey town and to celebrate that hard after a first round, I do understand the optics of that are weird. Yeah, it's definitely weird. Um, so I guess then my follow-up to that is, uh, would you make it a Lions draft? It's a great question as well. Um, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm full of them today. You know, positional value, I'm a big positional value guy. I'm a big positional value guy. Um, and they certainly didn't utilize that very, you know, running back first round linebacker that they probably could have got later. Now there are like I think Holmes himself said uh, that you know after his picks in the on day one people were saying that they were about to take those players. So whatever side of the aisle you fall on there is whatever. But um, positional value definitely stings a little bit. I a lot of people hated all three days. I actually really liked days two and three. Uh, I don't mind the Hendon Hooker flyer. Uh, I know that he's older and the ACL and all that, but. Like there were people that wanted to take like a quarterback at six because like golf's contract and whatever, and you can opt out and all the intricacies of that. So like, if you're going to take a flyer on a QB, why not do it on day two when you have a ton of picks in the first two rounds and you do it in the third? Like, I I really don't mind that at all. Um, And yeah, I really like the the defensive back from Bama. We got, I really like him like that. I, I really, I do like days two and three a lot more. Uh, that kind of made me feel a lot better about the weekend. Um, and I think we got really impact dynamic players in, on day one. Don't get me wrong. It's just positional value makes it uh, a, a little murky there. But 
at the end of the day, if they go out there and they're impacts dynamic players day one, like if both of those dudes we got on day on day one of the draft are first round starters, then you know we're not going to care. Uh, you know, in in week eight, <laughs> what what round we drafted them in? So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. I thought it was weird taking the type the positions they took where they did. Yeah, but like this is a team that's trying to win now. And these, I think that they got better by making these selections. I mean, one of the things we complained about as Reliance fans all year was how much they got beat up by the run game. Well, they took uh, Jack Campbell and his job. And then, yeah, they took linemen later. Yep. And so, and also Deandre Swift constantly injured. You need to up your running game. You got, I I don't mind trading Swift whatsoever. Yeah. So it's definitely one of those situations where I'm like, I understand every pick they made. I don't necessarily understand the assets they used to make those picks. For sure. Yep. Um, I think that's where a lot of people are. But I mean, I, I again, like you said, if they go out there and they're impact players immediately and they win the division and they win a playoff game, no one's going to give a crap what assets they used. Because yeah. it, it, three years down the line, they're going to do a, a redraft and they could end up being like first and second overall. It doesn't matter. Mock drafts don't matter it's all a bunch of hooey who cares yeah well brad holmes has his own mock draft that was made abundantly clear this week he does not care he was taking dudes in the third that people thought were going to go in the seventh like he he just wants his guys that that was made abundantly clear so i at least appreciate that you know whether it works or not only time will tell uh but at at a bare minimum at least we're going to see this through his way so People talk about how the Lions, like, you got to build in the trenches. That wasn't the best players positionally. Well, he spent the first two years building the trenches. Yeah. The trenches, for all intents and purposes, are are built. This is the last draft that Brad Holmes had where he was going to have a high enough, well, ideally, unless they just tank next year. Ideally, they were going to have a high draft picks. So they took the guys that they had the highest grades on. You know, they, they were, this is them trying. I know they drafted as if they were like an Eagles or a, a Chiefs where you can take the sexy pick because you're already like there. Yeah. But you're, you're at this point, you're trying, the Lions are in this mindset where they're trying to perfect their roster to fill it out. Yep. And so I, I think if it doesn't work out, he's going to catch a lot of heat and deservedly so. Absolutely. But if it works out, hey, then. Yeah, next on the line, great. man. That's yeah. the name of the game. So we'll see. Um, how do you feel about the Tigers being an absolute wagon? I'm glad you asked me that because I was, it's like, we're not getting out of here without talking a little bit. Tigers <laughs> one. I mean, who would have guessed they'd be, well, they didn't, they didn't really beat up uh, Verlander. They just hit two good pitches. They're too bad. Yeah, that was a me. vintage Ver like Verlander. We we've seen that a lot. We've seen, Oh, solo homer in the first Oh, and he still goes seven of one run ball. Like obviously it was only five. And gets on the loss. There was a lot of him doing that and then getting the loss. Um, because the, there was well, no in the later years, maybe. Yeah. Um, well, in the playoffs too. I remember one game against the Boston Red Sox. He pitched seven innings, one run ball, and they yeah. lost one to nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but beating up Scherzer and then beating Verlander like that. I know they're so much older now, but you know, up until this year, they were still dynamite players and pitchers. Verlander still is. Yeah, he'll be yeah. fine. So I Scherzer was, genuinely hasn't looked very good this year, but Verlander's yeah, fine. Has. People have been making a big deal because his first game back from his suspension, his spin rates down, and they're like, "Oh, he was cheating." So, yeah, I actually don't think he was, but I don't think he was cheating. So we're feeling good vibes are high. 
Oh, vibes are high. I know they're like 13 and 17. They're still like four games below 500, but sweeping a team is fun. You did double header sweep yesterday and you finished it off today. Apparently the Tigers just need to play playing day, day games. Well, the division, the, is so, the division is so bad. They're only three and a half games out of first place. <laughs> There's one. I, I was looking at this earlier and I posted it on Twitter. If the twins were in, who are the only 500 above 500 team in the AL central, yeah, and if the they twins were in the, East, the AL East, they'd, be, last, they'd yeah. be second to last right now. Yeah. At least as of today, I don't know if the Yankees won because they were like Yankees had one more loss than the Twins, and that's the only reason why they would have yeah. been right above them. It's I don't crazy. Know if played yet at the time of this recording. Every team in the AL East is above 500. One team in the AL Central is above 500. Tigers only three and a half out of it, baby. And also, speaking of AL East, take games against the AL East out of the equation, and the Tigers are above 500. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was that was a that was a find by uh, by Castellani. He. Uh... He he made that one public, and yeah, it's getting a lot of traction now because they have series wins against the Mets, Guardians, Brewers, and Astros. And they win against the Giants too. And Giants, right? Giants are this year have been kind of whatever, but like those are all like like last year really good like playoff teams last season, um, and uh, and they have series wins against all of them, but they have just gotten their teeth kicked in by the AL East, so. Yeah. And now we're about this weekend. We play the Cardinals, who have been legitimately terrible. They have the third worst record in baseball, and the worst record in the National League. So. How how many games is that series? Uh, three, I think. I think it's get, uh, Friday, Sunday. Let's go six in a row. Get one beneath five hundred. Why not? Why not? Let's have fun with this season. Why not us? Expectations are low, so let's just have fun. Uh, any any final thoughts, Scotty? We ball. We ball. We'll be back with a new episode on Monday. So stay tuned. Same time. Same place to your team every day. day. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.